You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. So there was a first grade teacher uh, who had 32 students in her class. And one particular day, it had rained all day. And so at the very end of the school day, this teacher had to kind of help all 32 of these students kind of get their galoshes on, uh, their rain boots on. And so as she's kind of going through the line of students, she comes across one little girl, and and she kind of finds that the galoshes that this little girl has are, are pretty tight on her feet. And so she kind of has to tug and, and to pull and to strain and to grunt. And, and she's just doing everything that she can just to bit by bit get these very tight galoshes on the feet of this little girl. So she gets both of these galoshes finally on. And the girl says to the teacher, she says, teacher, these aren't my galoshes. So the teacher kind of gives a bit of a sigh and then she begins to tug and to pull and to strain and to grunt and to groan, getting the galoshes off of this little girl. So she gets the second pair finally off of this little girl and the little girl says to the teacher, they're my sisters and she lets me borrow them. Now what that teacher learned and what she discovered uh, there that day and what she probably had to put into practice is something we wanna talk about today and that's long suffering. It's being patient in very trying, difficult situations. So we're continuing in a series we kind of started here the beginning of of summer um, and we've been really kind of focusing on Paul's words there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and he said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And again, I highlighted this is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is something he desires to do in us, and what we kind of want to do is cooperate with what God desires, what God is producing in us. And he talks about that love, joy, peace, patience, uh, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, and he says there is no law against these things. And so far we've looked at love, peace, uh, and joy. And so this morning I want to focus on the characteristic or the attribute of patience. Now I don't know about you, um, but uh, um, impatience is really one of those fruits of the Spirit um, that I feel like I experience more in my life. I, it, for some reason I'm more aware of or I'm more conscious of my impatience. So this is an area, again, where I find myself in situations, circumstances, where I just need to lean into, I I need to cooperate with God in these impatient moments so that God can build patience in me in that particular situation because that's how one of the ways God develops patience in us. Uh, You've all heard that statement, you know, if you want to get patience, uh, if you're praying for patience, God is going to put you in situations, circumstances, where you're going to experience impatient. You're going to be impatient, and and God's going to want to come into that situation and that circumstance and kind of grow you, and, and what he's doing is he's developing patience in you in that impatient Uh, circumstance or opportunity. So for me, impatience is just one of those areas 
that I feel more or I'm just more aware of. Um, and, and some of you may be able to relate uh, to that as well. And so again, these are just a few of the ways that we may kind of experience impatience uh, on a daily basis. Long lines at the grocery store when you know, you're, you're running late and, and you need to get home and get dinner started. The hold time uh, when you uh, call like a 1-800 number, a helpline, um, and you know, you're, you're put on hold or you've had that experience where you get somebody uh, that's from another country that doesn't speak the language very well and you're having trouble understanding them, they're having trouble understanding you. The wait in the doctor's office or if you're at the ER or urgent care, I mean, that's a place where you can become very, very impatient. You know, you think your, your issues, your, your urgency, your emergency is more important than anybody else's and so it kind of just breeds this impatience in us. You know, waiting for your computer to reboot. Yeah. <laughs> waiting for an answer to prayer. I mean, those are times where we can sometimes just experience uh, impatience with God. What are you doing? What's taking so long? Where are you? You know, traffic is another area. You know, or it's, it's the big ones. You know, you're waiting for that call back from the doctor about a diagnosis. Or you're waiting to hear back about whether you got that, that promotion uh, or that dream job. Or, or maybe you're kind of just waiting you know, for uh, news, whether you pass that real estate exam, you know, or, or you, you know, uh, you're kind of wanting to know if you pass the medical boards. You know? So again, just to name, those are a few of the experiences in life where we can really find ourselves in that place of impatience. We've all heard the saying, patience is a virtue. But what does that mean exactly, especially in those times where you find yourself just experiencing a great degree of impatience? One virtue may be found in that there really are a myriad of benefits and blessings uh, being uh, when we kind of become a patient person. And some of the benefits of being patient is, is you're just kind of perceived. Others see you as kind of a more relaxed, friendly, confident person. You're better able to kind of focus on and achieve goals in your life. You tend to make more rational, better decisions from a place of patience than impatience. We're, we're less prone to angry outbursts. You know, where James uh, 1.19 says, be quick to listen, you know, slow to speak, um, uh, 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 slow to speak and slow to anger. So again, there, there's where that patience kind of begins to show itself in that we're quick to listen to others, to God, and we're slow to, to speak and we're slow to anger. We can learn new things. You know, how many of you have just kind of given up something because you just got impatient? I can't do this, and you just walk away from it. We all do that, right? We have stronger mental health, you know, when we're, when we're more patient. And again, it's just because we, we have less stress. When we're impatient, we just kind of tend to be more stressful. So what does the word patience mean, and how does it manifest itself in our lives? Well, that word long-suffering, some of your translations may have. Again, it's, a, it's another word for patience, and it's really defined as the determination. We, we've kind of just set our hearts that I'm gonna live by faith and not by feeling. I, I am going to respond with grace rather than react with grief, right? 
It's regardless of the circumstance, I'm going to choose to act one way rather than another. One Greek lexicon described it as self-restraint before proceeding to action. The quality of a person who is able to avenge himself or herself, but refrains from doing so. It means you can do something in this situation. And a lot of times we do that out of impatience. We become impatient and we do something to, to affect the situation, to avenge ourselves, to right or wrong. We do it out of impatience and it just makes the matter worse. So patience is someone who can avenge themselves but just chooses not to or just leaves that in the hands of God. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Some of you might like this definition. This is kind of what we would call an urban dictionary definition. Patience is the ability to idle your motor when you feel like stripping your gears, right? We can, we can identify with that. Now the book of James kind of shows us three ways that the characteristics of patience should be manifest in our lives. Now, I'm not sure I'll get through all three of these, um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, so be patient with me, all right? So the first way is patience with difficult people. Now, James 5, chapter 5, verses 7 through 8 says this, Therefore, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Now, I want you to highlight that for a moment. We're gonna come back and talk about that in, in a moment. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. And he says, establish your hearts. Okay, this is your responsibility. This is something we do. We establish our hearts, and he says, for uh, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, to really kind of understand who James is talking about here, and to really understand the point that James is trying to make here to us, you kind of got to back up a few verses here in, in chapter 5, because James is really referring to some very specific, certain types of people. Now listen, listen to this from verse 1. Look here, you rich people. Okay, he's identifying someone, a certain set of people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is, getting, is, is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen... Hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. Again, he's talking about very specific people here. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire, you have fatted yourself for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people 
who do not resist you, who do not oppose you. Therefore, he goes on in verse five. Whenever you see the word therefore, you always wanna look and see what is it there for. It's therefore what he just said through verses one through six. So then you, you, you take all of that in context and see this isn't, he's not talking about patience with difficult people being, this is kind of, you know, my uncle who's just kind of annoying when we get together for, you know, family gatherings. This isn't, he's not talking about, you know, a coworker who loves to gossip. I mean, we need to be patient with those people, but this isn't really who James is talking about here. He's, he's talking uh, about really, really difficult, evil, vile, wicked people. I mean, we, we would kind of, of think in, in our day and age, we, we would kind of begin to think of sex traffickers. We, we would kind of begin to start thinking about drug cartels. I mean, these are, these are people who have amassed ungodly wealth. These are, these are people who have opposed, who have murdered innocent people who simply try to get in their way or who they perceive to be in their way. So we gotta, we gotta get rid of this person. We gotta get rid of this person. They're trying to stop us. They're trying to oppose us. I mean, we're, we're talking here about Taliban types. We're talking about Hitlers, we're talking about Stalins. This is, these are the type of people that James is referring to here. He's, he's referring to very, very powerful, very wicked, very evil people. Those who, again, who have you know, amassed ungodly wealth those who have put their trust in wealth and possessions, those who have really oppressed others, those who have been cheated of a fair wage, those who have taken advantage of the poor, those who have had the innocent killed or murdered, you know, anyone as they perceive standing in their way. And James is assuring his readers in light of those people. Those, those are the difficult people that, that James is, is speaking to his readers about. And he's assuring them in the face of that great wickedness and that great evil, your cries have been heard. The cries of the poor, the oppressed, the victimized, that they have reached the ears of the Lord and that he will judge the guilty, he will avenge them at the return of the Lord. And so he says, so be patient for his return. Now, that is so key. As I was kind of reading and really praying over that, that really kind of jumped out at me. Again, therefore, brethren, brothers and sisters, be patient until the coming of the Lord. You know what that tells me? There are some forms of wickedness, evil, and injustice that will not be corrected, will not be judged until Jesus comes again. Therefore, be patient. Well, I don't like that. I don't. That's not how I would do it if I was God. 
I would, I would have a top 10 list of the most evil people, evil organizations, and God, I would just begin to wipe them off the face of the earth, send, you know, maybe some fear of the Lord into the, you know, bottom tier of that wickedness and evil. But James, he's saying, you know what? Be patient, brothers and sisters. God hears their cries, God sees what's happening. And we just may have to persevere. We may have to deal with this. We may have to put up with this until Jesus comes again. So therefore, be patient. And that may be why Paul tells us in Romans 12, 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. That's the difference between us and God. See, God can do revenge with righteous anger. We can't. We do revenge with unrighteous anger, right? God does revenge in, in just complete kindness. God does revenge in fully unconditional love. We don't. We, we tend to err on one side or the other. We, you know, if we're gonna take revenge, I mean, we, we really just go off the charts with revenge. If we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna kind of overlook and give people grace sometimes, we just go off the scales with, you know, with, with grace um, to, to the point that, you know, we're just, we're tolerating evil. We're, we're just being okay with wickedness. So Paul says, you know, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God because he will do revenge perfectly. And you might think, well, I, I can do revenge perfectly. No, you can't because if that's the way you think, there's pride there and you've already, you've already messed that up, right? So we're never to take revenge against the difficult people regardless of the de degree of difficulty. So James is appealing to people there in that time who have suffered at the hands of difficult people like that, and he's warning them, do not take these matters into your own hands. Be patient and just trust that God sees, that God knows, and that God will take revenge at the right time. He will bring justice to injustice at the perfect moment. But in the meantime, in the in-between, James just says you need to exercise impatience and just wait. Even if that means waiting until the coming of the Lord, God is going to deal with that. Again, we can see these same kinds of difficult people in our current world, right? There's crooked businesses and organizations, corporate owners out there that take advantage of the poor, corrupt politicians. We know there are dishonest judges. There are immoral governments and, and regimes, even in our current world today. And while there are things that maybe we can and need to do to kind of push back against some of that, 
Ultimately, it's really gonna come down to that we need to exercise patience in the midst of whether we're pushing back, whether we're trying to, to, to bring uh, some sense of balance to that. We, we ultimately just need to be okay with the fact that I'll do what I can do, but the bottom line is I may just have to be patient and let God deal with this in his way, in his timing. So again, God has his part, we have our part. And again, we need to understand and be okay with those times that those times of full justice may not happen until Jesus returns. There may be some forms of injustice. We just have to learn to live with knowing and trusting that one day all things will be made right, but in the meantime, we need to exercise patience. Now, as I think about that, there's something in that that allows me to see the heart of God. Why, why would God allow wickedness? Why would God allow evil people? I mean, I think even David asked that question one time in the Psalms, why, why do the wicked prosper? It's a great question. Why, why do the wicked prosper? Why do the people who seem so bent on doing wrong just seem to kind of have these great lives? Why is it that, you know, the righteous are taken, you know, early in life? It just doesn't seem fair. Again, to me, it reveals something about the heart of God, who God is. He is kind, Jesus said in, in Luke 6.35. He said, God is kind to the wicked and ungrateful. Oh, that person didn't say thank you. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of ungrateful. Oh, that guy, he cut me off in traffic. I'm not talking about that kind of wicked. I'm kind of talking about the wicked people that James referred to there. And God is kind to them. That's not how I would do it if I was God. And I'm guessing that's not how most of you, if not all of you, would do that if you were God. We'd probably be like the disciples that were walking with Jesus one day and were offended at something that was said or done, and their response to Jesus was, should we call down fire from heaven to consume them, right? We're familiar with this. Remember what Jesus said? You know not what spirit you're of. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is, is that he's kind to people who are evil. I love um, what, uh, again, 2 Peter uh, 3.9, I was gonna, I, I wanna just reference this really quick. I, I didn't make a slide, so you just have to listen here. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise. So you know, it's been thousands of years now since Jesus ascended back to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, said he will come again to judge, and we're waiting. And we're not the only generation that's been waiting Many generations have been waiting, and so he speaks to this, and he says, you know, the Lord's not slow concerning his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come 
to repentance. Man, there, there's sometimes where God allows wickedness and evil in the hopes that those people who are a part of that will come to repentance. That's his heart. I, I, don't, I don't know how to weigh all of that out. He does. I, I just see a tree. He sees the forest. And for some reason, there are just certain types of evil, there are just certain types of wickedness, where again, you and I, we would just completely rid the earth of that in a heartbeat. God can, but he doesn't. And I don't know all the reasons why, but when I can contemplate the heart of God, and I know that he is kind to wicked people, that tells me something. When, when he is patient to the point that, that he wants everyone, I mean everyone, no matter how wicked or evil those people are, he wants everyone. It is his desire that everyone would come to repentance, that everyone would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that everyone would come to embrace the gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ. That's his heart. And it's just hard. And that's why we need patience. That's why we need to wait until the coming of the Lord. Because we see things happening in our world today. And we cry out, God, why aren't you doing something about this? Why are you allowing this? And there are times where the appropriate response back to us from God would be, why are you allowing it? Why are you okay with this? There just are times where we need to push back, we need to stand up, we need to speak out, but we don't. So there are times where the appropriate response from God isn't, why do I allow this, but why do you? I've given you dominion, I've given you the keys to the kingdom, I've given you the ability to bind and to loose. So there are times where, where God just needs to put the responsibility back where it belongs. Not always. Again, we see in part God sees the whole. And no matter what's going on, again, James is just saying, don't lose confidence. Be steadfast in your patience until the coming of the Lord. Just trust that God has a divine reason and a plan for the way things are, for the direction things are going. And then he does a very interesting thing in verse nine. So if you've kind of gotten everything that I'm saying, he kind of does an interesting thing in verse nine. And he, and he goes on and he says, do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, lest you be condemned. Not talking about them out there, he's starting to kind of hit a little closer to home. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. In other words, James is, is kind of speaking to the Christ followers there, and he says, you know what? The same fate of judgment awaits those of us who grumble against each other 
That there, there's condemnation for those who grumble just as there's condemnation for those I just talked about in verses one through six. The same judge that, that you're so eager to judge the ungodly, that same judge stands at the door and is ready to judge you who grumble and complain against one another. Now all of a sudden, we don't like that, do we? We liked it when you're talking about those other wicked, evil people, but man, leave me alone. I mean, come on, God. I mean, grumbling, is it, is it really as bad as murdering innocent people? says, you better be careful what you wish for. Better be careful what it is you're after and what you're asking of me when it comes to injustice. It says, grumbling against one another, complaining against your brothers and your sisters is gonna be judged as well. See, and we tend to magnify the sins of others and we want to minimize our own, don't we? God, you go after them, I'm fine, I'm good. Mine's not as bad. It's, it's not hurting people the way that is. We kind of act like, you know, God is only gonna really judge. He's really gonna only condemn the big stuff. God just kind of turns a blind eye to the little stuff, the inconsequential stuff, the petty theft, the stuff that wouldn't matter really to anyone, the stuff no one saw, no one knows. God sees, God knows. Now, this is some serious stuff. James is, he's saying, you know what? God wants to deal with the Hitlers of the world. We're like, yeah, God, you deal with the Hitlers of the world, but you leave the grumbling, you leave the small, you leave the petty, you, need, you leave the inconsequential stuff alone. And James seems to be indicating that all forms of injustice from the very, very small to the very greatest, from the most consequential to the most inconsequential, all of those equally matter and are important to God. Psalm 103, verse eight. Again, it, it shows us the heart of God, doesn't it? I, I'm kind of jumping a little bit of ahead there, Carol. The Lord is merciful and gracious to just good people, to just godly people, to just Christians. No, God is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. See, here's the thing, we are called to do likewise when it comes to dealing with difficult people. We also need to be able to be merciful and gracious. We need to be slow to anger and we need to be able to abound in mercy. So be patient with difficult people 
And let that impatience endure even if it means being patient until the coming of the Lord. Let's switch gears. So we've, we've dealt with patience with difficult people. Let's deal with patience in suffering. And he goes on there um, and verse uh, 10, he says, for examples of patience in suffering. Now we've dealt with patience in dealing with difficult, evil, wicked people. He said, let's, let's deal with patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters. Look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. We do, don't we? We all love a good story about someone who's gone through a great deal of suffering and come out on the other side of that victorious with just a great testimony. We love stories like that as long as it's not me. Right? I do. For instance, he says, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord, again, he's revealing the heart of God here, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Now why does James mention Job when illustrating patience? Well, think about what Job went through. He faced great destitution. He lost everything that he owned. His, his children are all wiped out in a tornado. He faces disease. He's covered from head to toe um, in boils. Even his own wife turned her back on him, and she just said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, there's the gift of encouragement, right? And like Job, every one of us, we're gonna, we're gonna face those times where we need to persevere through suffering. Maybe not to the degree that Job did, and I'll say a little bit more about that in just a second. But we, we need to be able to get to a place where we can persevere, we can, we can be patient through suffering. And sometimes that's suffering of our own making. Sometimes it's suffering the making of others. But again, we, we, we still need to be able to be patient uh, in, in spite of that. Let me suggest this approach to you as a means of developing patience. Practice being patient with the smaller stuff in life. Let that settle on your heart. See, the reason many of you, many of us, I'll include myself in that so you don't think I'm picking on you. The reason many of us uh, really do not endure or have patience in, in great times of suffering is we don't have it in small times of suffering. Right? The reason most of us choke and being patient in the big stuff in life is because we choke on the little stuff in life. Right? Oh, we think, we think we're ready for the big league and suffering. And then it just begins and we're just a melted mess on the floor crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? I, I do that. The heat comes and we just melt. Again, look at Job, Job 1.1. Very beginning of Job. This is how Job is described. 
He was blameless. A man of complete integrity, he feared God and he stayed away from evil. Now think about that. He was blameless. A man full of integrity. He feared God. He, he held God in such reverence and such awe. And, and he, he avoided evil. Was he born that way? Job come out of the womb, you know, as a man full of integrity, as someone who feared God, who shunned evil. I mean, was he born that way? Were you born that way? None of us are born that way. Jesus, I'll probably get stoned by some of you for saying this. Jesus wasn't even born that way. There are things Jesus learned through suffering. He was perfected through the things he suffered. I love this. There, there is almost kind of, you get this idea that there's this progression. There's this building up to, in Job's life, this moment where all of this suffering is gonna be unleashed upon him. But he's ready, for the most part. Doesn't endure this perfectly, but he comes out of it blessed and prosperous. This was a process for Job. I mean, for him to get to this place in Job 1.1 where he is, again, blameless, a man of complete integrity. Again, it, it indicates to me that, that this was kind of, you know, choice by choice, step by step progression. He probably started by being, you know, uh, obedient in the little things. And, and, and as he is, he, he kind of grows and grows and grows and grows in more and more obedience. He probably practiced integrity in the little things. And as he practiced and stewarded that integrity in the little things, he was able to grow in that so that he was able to exercise integrity in the big things. And I believe one of the reasons Job was able to display patience uh, in the big and the difficult circumstances of life is because he knew how to exercise patience in the small areas of life. I love, let me just share this from, from 2 Peter. Tell you're getting old when you need hearing aids and glasses and I'm gonna probably need a walker here next week. Now listen to what listen to what Second Peter says. So devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness. Okay, so faith with goodness, and to goodness add understanding. So, so there's kind of this incremental. There's this increase. There's this process, right? That he's kind of laying out there. Faith with goodness and to goodness add understanding. To understanding add the strength of self-control. To self-control add patient endurance. Now notice where that comes in, in that line of 
doesn't, it's, it's not, you know, you start with patient endurance and then you add all these other things. He's, he's telling you there's some things here. You, you start with faith, and then faith add goodness. To goodness add understanding. To understanding add the strength of self-control. And to self-control add patient endurance. To patient endurance add godliness. And to godliness add mercy toward your brothers and sisters. And to mercy toward others add, uh, add unending love. Do you see the progression there? How one kind of builds on another and another and another. Then he goes on and he says this. He says, since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply. Are you, are you, did you catch that? It's already in there. It's just waiting to be developed. It's all in there. God's just waiting for opportunities to begin to bring that to the surface and to build on that. It was really interesting. I was sharing this uh, scripture verse with someone not too long ago, and, and as I came to that place of patient endurance, I just felt the spirit of God stop me, and, and I said to this person, this is where the, God is just showing me that this is where you're at right now. You're, you're at this place of patient endurance. And if you'll stay there and if you'll cooperate and if you'll kind of just allow God to, to, to build and to work in that place of patient endurance, what he's gonna add to that is godliness. Since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless. What's the point of the fruit of the Spirit? It's to, it's to bear fruit, right? We wanna, we wanna be fruity Christians, right? Yeah. And some of us are fruitier than others, right? So these will keep you from being inactive means just, it'll, it'll keep you from just sitting in your seat Sunday after Sunday, coming, putting your time in here, and then kind of going out there and just getting back to life. And we'll be back next Sunday. That, he's saying, this will keep you from being inactive. It's gonna keep you active, doing, pursuing the things of the kingdom, bringing the kingdom to earth. It'll keep you active and binding and loosing and loosing and binding. It, it'll, it'll keep you active in speaking those things that are not as though they were. It'll keep you active in, in your faith. That's what he's saying here. Keep you from being inactive or fruitless, fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. That's where this is all taken us. It's, it's so that we can know Jesus Christ more intimately. So again, I believe that one of the reasons why Job was able to endure, to persevere, to go through what he went through, it was because he started in those small little places in life and just allowed God to build and to build upon foundations uh, that, that were laid there in his life, that, that foundation of being blameless, that foundation of integrity, that foundation of, of, of holding God in reverence and awe, that foundation, again, of just shunning evil. 
And, and, and just in those simple ways, as Job did that, uh, as, as again, God just began to build and, and to begin to increase, and he just began to grow and to be strengthened in all of those areas so that when what came upon Job, in most ways, Job was ready. So I wanna go back to my point. One of the ways we can build and increase patience in our lives is learning to be patient in the small stuff, in the little things. The more frequent we practice patience in the little things, the more it will develop. So, for example, just maybe this week, just pick three or just five areas or situations where you just want to practice being intentionally patient. Okay, three to five things, areas, situations, behaviors, where you kind of just want to practice being intentionally patient. And, and again, look for those areas where you're impatient. And say, okay, you know what, this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strive in this, these, these certain areas where I'm going to really just work at becoming more patient. You know, maybe that, maybe like, you know, letting someone merge in front of you ahead of traffic rather than trying to cut them off. You should have done it back there, buddy. You're not doing it up here. <laughs> See, I know that because I do that, you know? I'm like, you had your chance back there. You should have taken it back there. So again, just begin to kind of exercise. Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let you in because you know God's good to wicked, evil people. Even <laughs> Maybe it's just letting someone ahead of you in the, in the grocery store line. You know, maybe it's just holding the door open for somebody. I mean, this is like one of those areas where, you know, I'll kind of go and I'll see somebody in a wheelchair, someone that's, you know, really struggling. Maybe they're, they have a cane or a walker, you know, and they're kind of, they're kind of back a ways, you know, and, and I'll have kind of this conscious thought, you know, I probably should, you know, hold the door open for them, but I don't have all day. You know, so I just write, I just kind of go on, right? Where sometimes, again, it's just, you know, practicing patience. You know what? Yeah, it's going to probably maybe take her a couple of minutes to get up here, but, you know, I'm going to practice patience here. And, you know, and so, again, for some of you, it may be letting your wives get both feet in the car before you pull away from the curb, you know? So just practicing patience in the little things. Again, when you practice patience in the little things, it's, it's going to develop. It's going it's to grow. Oh, I'm out of time. Um, it's important for you to understand the problems that come, that, and, and again, oftentimes these are some problems or situations that God allows because he has a purpose for the problems, the difficulties, the struggles in your life, okay? They're not meant to defeat you. They're not meant to depress you. They're not meant to discourage you. God wants to use them to develop you. Problems are not God's tools to tear you down. They are opportunities where God wants to build you up. So often when we think about Job, we just tend to focus on the first part of the book, all the bad things that happened to Job, and we forget about the last part of the book. And the reason that's important is because after Job went through all that Job went through, he came out on the other side and listened, and he came out with double what he had. God prospered him twice what he had uh, than when he started. 
And, and listen to what Job says uh, at the very end of this story. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, what, who is this that questions my wisdom with such arrogance? Man, we do that all the time, don't we? Man, we question the wisdom of God with such arrogance. And we may not do it purposefully, but we do question God sometimes with great ignorance. He said, it is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, Lord, listen. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And he said, I, and this, this is so key. I love what Job says here. He says, I had only heard about you. But now I have seen you with my own eyes. I heard about you, but I've never experienced you until now. And Job was simply saying, Lord, there are some things that I learned about you that I would have never learned any other way had I not gone through what I went through. He says, I now know you in a way I would have never, ever known you otherwise. And for that, God, you are good. You are kind. You are merciful. You are great. He, he, he just has this experience of God. And he catches a glimpse of the heart of God through it all. Sometimes that's what hard times are for. And some of you may be in a place right now where you are dealing with some difficult people. Again, I'm not talking about people that are cutting you off in traffic. I mean, you may have a boss that is just a complete 100% jerk. You don't know why you're there. You want out, you're frustrated, you're looking for something different, but God has not opened that door. I'm just gonna tell you, God's not done with you there yet. So my dear brother and sister, be patient. God's doing something there. You may not see it, you may not understand it, you may not like it, but be patient, even if that means you've gotta be patient until Jesus comes back, be patient. Maybe some of you are in and you're just kind of dealing right now with just some, some suffering. Again, this, this may be suffering of your own making. It may be suffering that really came at the hands of other people. You're an innocent party, but you got affected. That happens. God is using that Again, not to depress you, but to develop you. And just maybe you need to kind of just approach God and say, okay, God, I don't know what's happening here, but I know you do. I know you have a plan and a purpose for this. And God, help me to cooperate with what you're doing here. And God, I'm just gonna commit to being patient in the midst of this, just trusting and believing. You hear my cries. You see my heart. You know the situation intimately. You know I am not to blame. 
but I trust God you're doing something here and I'm just gonna choose to just persevere with patience in the midst of this suffering. So I just, I throw that out for you. Again, find three to five things this week where you can develop patience. And what you'll discover is as you develop that, God will begin to build and he'll begin to increase and he'll take you from other places like endurance to godliness to godliness to great love. So some of you right now, you're just in a place right now where God wants to take you on to some greater experiences, but you gotta kind of master the level you're at this morning. Does that make sense? Good, all right, let's stand together. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up this morning. Well, I don't know about you, but this helped me this morning. (laughs) Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, for your word. It's through your word that we really begin to encounter your heart. It's through your word, Lord, that as we see the ways, Father, that you work in and through other people, stories, difficulties, that in that, God, we can find great hope and strength and courage when we face similar situations in our own lives. So God, I, I just I, I thank you, Lord, for just your ever-constant presence I thank you, God, for your commitment, God, that nothing is too difficult, nothing's ever wasted with you. Nothing is beyond your ability to deal with. I thank you, God, nothing takes you by surprise. There's not one thing that's going on in here this morning that God didn't see it coming. And God's not up in heaven wringing his hands, going, oh, I don't know what to do here but God sees it and he has a perfect plan for it. It didn't come from him, he's not the author of it, but he is the one that promises to take all things and work them together for good. So Father, wherever we may be in those all things, especially those areas, Lord, where we're just struggling this morning. Those places where maybe we're questioning you, we're doubting you, we're angry with you. That God, this morning, that maybe we can have that same encounter that Job had, that we've heard of you, but we wanna see you, we wanna experience you. because we know like Job, it'll change everything. So God, I just pray this morning that we would just again feel your unfailing companionship with us this morning. That promise that you've never left us, you've never forsaken us, you never have and you never will. We thank you, Father, that you are steadfast in your love and your grace and your mercy There's nothing about you that ever changes. There's nothing about you that ever shifts over time. 
So Father, this morning we just want to have a heart encounter with you this morning. So Father, we just uh, thank you. We just thank you, Father, for again your power, your presence in this place this morning. We thank you, Father, that again, your word there in, in Isaiah is those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And I just, I just feel like God wants us just to wait on him this morning. There's some that are weak here this morning that he wants to just strengthen. There's some of you here this morning, there, you're weary. And he wants to cause you to run, to prosper, to be blessed in the place you're at this morning. So those who wait upon the Lord sh shall be renewed. We just wait upon you this morning, Lord. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.